Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You ready? Mm -hmm. All right. Shit. Uh, hey, y'all. It's Jeremy Stanfield. You're in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, it's a song about these old boots somewhere called My Shoes. Hey, let me tell you a little story I know. I'm just a man hanging on by a thread. I need a rope in this war I'm fighting, trying to survive. You want a drink? I said, no, and he's wise. I already drank the Mississippi dry. I burned down that bridge, barely made a Somewhere along the way All my sins They caught up with me Now I'm I'm trying to be A better man Hope that you Can understand Walk a mile in my shoes Found my bottom in an old rocking chair in front of a fancy rehab in the middle of nowhere with no one to blame but myself this time December rolled around and my mom got sick in that hospital room a day I'll never forget I just hung my head and said my last goodbye now I'm singing to her and somewhere along all my sins they caught up with me now I'm I'm trying to be a better man oh that you can understand walk a mile in my shoes better believe I bought these things brand new whoa 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 Yes, it's true, and I earned every scratch on the baby. Whoa, you think you know where you don't? Yeah. Play with fire, you find it, you burn. And I got a scar, a lesson learned. But sometimes you lose, well, sometimes you lose. Well, this life just ain't been fair Living lost and unprepared Wandering down the road Trying to get home to you It's somewhere along the way All my sins, they caught up Now I'm Trying to be a better man Oh, that you can understand Walk a mile in my shoes Oh, that you can understand Walk a mile in my shoes I don't think you would understand Unless you walked a mile in my shoes Sir. Yeah, my shoes. Why, well, hey, brother, that's a perfect place to start. Just, um, I like the transparency of it. Put a little bit of your life story in there as you went. Uh, we'll dig into uh, some of those in greater detail, but just to break down some of those verses and where that song come from, man, uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, man, um, that kind of about sums it up, you know, just to never judge a book by its cover. I feel like, um, you know, I've definitely felt very misunderstood and 
uh, last long while, you know, and just, and that's pretty much what I'm talking about. Just, you know, I would like to, it's just kind of like, uh, you know, your mistakes don't sum you up as a person. That's basically what that song yeah. is about. It doesn't define you. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times uh, in my life, it can, you know, it's kind of a hard, a hard trail for me to walk. Like I was saying earlier, sometimes I'm the kind of a guy that, People see me coming and they, they cross the street just because of what they think they've heard or know about me, but it's not true, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of what it's about. It's about uh, alcohol and losing someone you love and having life come at you pretty fast and in a real way. Yeah. Brother, let's, uh, let's start. Born and raised in Memphis? Born and raised. So uh, let's go to the early childhood years and... Uh, how did music come into your life, and when did uh, I guess it would be that crack in the door, and you peered up in there and be like, "Yeah, I gotta get my hands on a guitar, and I gotta, I gotta do this thing. I gotta try this out." Man, it's kind of hard to say because music's kind of always been in my life, my my whole life. It feels like I remember being a little kid and just, uh, you know, there was all my dad's a drummer, you know, and uh, I, I mean, I always woke up and it just seemed like there was always just a drum kit piled in the corner or something like that or we were always going to watch my dad play so yeah to me when I was like when I met other little kids in the neighborhood and they didn't know what an instrument was or how to play it like I thought I thought there was something strange like what do you mean you don't have a, yeah. a piano in your house yeah <laughs> so that was kind of it man pretty pretty much from the time I can remember I mean I've been uh you know I was that kid that was beating around on pots and pans and stuff like that from an early age and when my dad saw the interest he basically had the drum set up and let me go at it when I was big enough to reach the pedals, you know. Yeah, so you started out on the drums? Started out on the drums, yeah. When did you make your transition to other instruments? Pretty much when I get my hands, you know, once I discovered the drums, I mean, and then I fell in love with the piano, and that was probably, I don't know, eight, eight years old or so, and then my parents had an old guitar they bought at the junk stores. My mom was always going to, you know, junk stores and things like that, and they bought this old electric guitar that there was in an old PV case that had the, the amp built into it, and uh, yeah, so I guess I was I was sticking around with stuff like that when I was probably about eight years old. Wow. So at that age, man, it, like uh, besides the influence of your father, who were some of the bands that you were listening to and trying to replicate? <laughs> you know, I, I loved like surf music for some reason, uh, you know, when I was a kid, Cause my dad, you know, they're playing all this '50s and '60s stuff, and and you know, we started our first band. It was like me and my two cousins, like my best friend, and we started this instrumental band called the Mysterious Comics. And we were out playing around Memphis at the Shell and stuff when we were like eight, nine years old. Wow. And uh, but we didn't know, I and mean, we were basically just like playing what our dads were like. You should learn Booker T and the MGs. You should learn this and learn that and. So we were doing all these instrumental songs like that. So we, one one half of the set would be something like Booker T and the MGs, and then I'd want to do stuff like Wipeout, Pipeline, because you know the surf stuff. And uh, so that, that that was the biggest influence for me early on was like stuff like uh, my mom was really into like Otis Redding and Fats Domino and the Supremes, and I was my dad was always preaching the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And then I had my two older brothers. That were like you know, ten years older than me, riding around in old hot rod Mustangs, priming out with like you know <laughs> mullets and the side of the head shaved, you know, basically <laughs> like the Lost Boys listening to Iron Maiden or the Fat Boys, you know. So yeah. I'm getting it from all kinds of yeah, a lot, of, a lot of influence. Yeah. And so moving on through as you were just coming up through middle and high school, um, how long did the uh, instrumental band hang around before you started breaking off into a, a different path? Well, we were doing that, man. So, you know, we kind of just grew up in a, just, we grew up in Raleigh, this neighborhood. The only music we, we had access to was MTV, the radio station, or my dad. Yeah. And, uh, or whatever my brothers were bringing to us. Um, so, we were kids at that time. So, I mean, I was, I was playing music because that's just, that's all I wanted to do and I loved it. But I was also, like, just wanted to be a kid and go outside and play and ride bikes and all that stuff. So, I was I was also really big into BMX bike riding at that time. Oh. So I was still I was pretty passionate about that and so we were trying to juggle the band thing, but we were little kids, so everybody's like doing their own, you know, playing baseball and just whatever and then um uh, we did that for a little while and 
I guess around 12 or so, I was fine. I still, I was like interested in racing bikes and all that stuff. And then, um, ever do any sweet jumps? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's why I'm so ugly, man. I got so many broken bones <laughs> and scars on my from doing sweet jumps. Like, hey, man, let's just jump off this house real quick, you know? <laughs> Or at least I was the one. All my friends were like, yeah, man, we'll watch. And I'd come home with two, like, broken arms, you know. Uh, but I guess around 14 is when we made that transition from, um, you know, just being, like, a little baby band, like, little kids doing what our dad told us to do sort of thing to, you know, we decided we wanted to really try to be, a, a, you know, a band band. So what did that look like? What kind of style of music were y'all playing? Uh... Well, that was about 14 or so, because I remember, you know, I was still going to this one school, and my buddy, like, started going to this uh, other school, and, and uh, and you know, he had discovered Nirvana and all these, oh, those yeah. kind of bands, so we went to the pawn shop, and his dad bought him a Stratocaster, he grew his hair out long, and he was learning every Nirvana song and every Metallica song there was, and I still had my drum kit, and it was just two of us, and then, like, uh, you know, so we were basically just trying to emulate all those those bands and then we decided to uh that we wanted to start writing our own songs yeah so it kind of was like that's what it sounded like it sounded like nirvana silver chair but it, it quickly went into like you know we, we were like we loved punk rock and all that stuff so we were kind of like this mix between like i don't know we were just like a straight up we were just wild little kids man we, we were just kind of just a, a bunch of mutts you know, the, the more I get to sit down and talk with musicians, and it almost seems that it doesn't matter what genre or style they were into, it seems like Kurt Cobain and Nirvana just had some kind of an impact. Sure, especially in, like in, in this age group, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it, it, it was, it was, and it was right off the jump, we were, we were gone. Like, once I discovered music, and that's what, who I was, and what I was good at, and I felt, I felt... Like I had a place with it. I was off and running, never looked back. So there was nothing ever, you know, school and girls and any pretty much anything. I committed my whole life to music, and that was it. So as you were getting older and getting out of high school, um, fairly getting gigs and uh, how, what did all that look like as far as uh, the band at that time? Well, it kind of seemed like we started the band when we were, you know, like when we, like I said, when we were like 14 or so, and it was just like every day. I mean, you know, you know, me and my best friend Marty started, and then we recruited this guy named James Godwin, and then it was just every day, practice, practice, practice. We were in my my, my mom's living room or in somebody's garage, and, mm-hmm. and it was just building it up. And pretty much from middle school on, it was we were we were already playing shows and. Um, trying to build it up and and it just kind of just uh we did that for 15 years and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger the next thing we know you know we're like the biggest band around memphis you know and and we had all these things like happening for us as far as like you know we were playing these big shows we're selling out shows you know we were thought we were headed somewhere we thought we were going to take over the world together you know yeah. the next thing you know we're in california showcasing for record labels and making all these plans and all of our dreams are coming true and mm-hmm. and then uh and it didn't happen you know and then we grew up and reality set in and all that stuff mm-hmm. so during that time just not only california were y'all touring kind of all over the states where you could play well we were young man we were just playing around town it was like you know there was this club downtown called the the new daisy and it's like, and if you could, if you made it to the New Daisy, that was like, you know, that was our, our goal. You know, we, we made it. You know, it's like, oh God, you know, we're playing the Daisy. You know, we were just playing like house parties and like any, anywhere, you, anywhere we could play. It was yeah. garages, you know, so. And once we got to that point, it's like they finally let us in the Daisy. The next thing we know, we're, they got us opening up for bands. The next thing you know, we're, we're headlining and we're selling out the Daisy, you know, and uh, that's kind of where it started. And then that band... We did a little bit of touring and not a whole lot of, I didn't do a whole lot of touring. Um, we, all we did was practice and practice all the time and, you know, and, uh, and then we played live a lot in Memphis, but the touring thing just didn't happen. And I think that's probably why we never made it because we never made that, that commitment to actually go on the road. You know, we bought the van and trailer and we did it a little bit, but I didn't actually start touring, touring until I, I joined Star and Micey and I went solo and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
So let's go through that time period. When you went solo and during that Star Massey period, um, I think Josh was saying that you were uh, you impacted him heavily with those singer-songwriter nights with those open mics. Right. Um, and that, uh, you know, um, I think the girl he was dating at the time said uh, she was working the bar and she knew you. And y'all, I don't think y'all knew each other yet. Well, I knew his, his, his older sister and brother from school. And okay. uh, and Josh, even though he's only just a few years younger than me, he seemed like a little kid. I didn't really know who, I didn't know him. You know, I just knew his little his sister and, and brother, mainly his sister. Um, and they were around when we were in those bands I was talking about playing. And I would see Josh around, like, you know, around sometimes. And uh, and I guess during the time when I was playing at the Daisy with that band, and we were, we were a fairly popular band in town, him and all his buddies would come out to all of our shows. And, mm-hmm. like, they knew every word. And, like, you know, Josh is super sweet and, and enthusiastic and stuff. And I, always, and I knew who he was because he was... Bonnie's old brother, so I already had a, a kind of a, a spot for him. Yeah, and uh, and I'd see him out there, and he always come up and just you know tell me how much like he really liked these songs, which meant a lot to me because you know I mean because every I was putting everything into these songs, and yeah. and for him to tell me the things he was saying, and and uh, he claims that you know I I, I remember the night I mean I brought I saw him out in the the crowd and it's a big you know sold out crowd, and my voice was shocked because I was we've been playing so much and yeah. I said, like, hey man, you know, I pulled him on stage and he got on stage and sang the songs with me and he claims that that's one of the reasons why he started doing what he's doing, you know. He's, that's what he said on the show. And, uh, and that's, that's, that, was, that was one of the impacts on him. I think, yeah, I think yeah, a little bit, Vivin a little bit on that. He's too good to be lying like that. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, that was it, man. And then, uh, that's kind of how that started and like, you know, and I didn't see Josh for a long time. I just, you know, I knew Josh because of him and Jeff, his you know the bass player for um, Star Mice, and I see him around. They always come. They're always super supportive and cool. And and uh, years later, after the band had been on, we had been through many you know some band name uh, changes and had signed a couple record deals, and we were kind of had run our course. Like you know, I've been a band for fifteen or so years and been through the ringer. With you know, I was like done with it you know I was like over it had my heart broken and they were just starting yeah and uh and I had already been through it you know and and uh yeah and around that time there's a bar called Neil's that burned down uh, just a little dive bar famous dive bar in Midtown and uh the sound guy he called me up cause he knew me from you know just being little like my dad playing and stuff and just running around the bar and he's like man I hear you you know, I know you write songs. He's like, I'm trying to get together this like, this songwriter night. Would you be interested in hosting it? Mm-hmm. I was like, Yeah, man. You know, because at that time I hadn't, yeah, you know, I had no, you know, I didn't really know what I was gonna do. I just had been in a band my whole life. You know, I, I had no aspirations of being like a solo artist or anything. Came at a good time, right? Yeah. So I started doing this this uh, this songwriter night, just kind of like, because you know, the songs I was writing was were going more in the direction like the song that I just played for you, you know, mm-hmm. and. I was kind of outgrowing what I was doing, and and uh, it was a good opportunity for me to uh, just to kind of practice and work that out. And I met all these other guys that were doing the same thing, and Nick Redman was one of them, which is the yeah. other singer for Star Mice, and and he became one of the. Me and him were basically hosting the thing, and all these like slew of great artists kind of that came through and played, and and Josh was one of them. And Josh kind of showed up at the gig one night, and. Uh, and then that's basically where Star Micey was formed from that yeah that night at Bar Stars at Neil's and um, and they started started um, playing music together from that and I was still doing my thing solo but we were still we were all friends and yeah. hanging out and yeah. then and then Star Micey had formed and I was still kind of a just Jeremy Stanfield or whatever and then uh and then I knew I was kind of going through some stuff like a hard time and they're like hey man why don't you just come on the road with us. Was that alone the alcohol time? Yeah, the alcohol had started by that point, you know. Because I didn't really drink, man. I was never, like, heavy on drugs or smoking cigarettes or drinking or anything. I did all the, you know, normal partying stuff that teenagers do. But, like, if anything, I was that kid that uh, got, you know, people gave me a hard time because I didn't do all that. You know, I was, yeah. it certainly wasn't, like, no one expected me to be the one that, like, was going to rehab and all that stuff, you know. 
But uh, but you know, I mean, just at that point, I was in my late twenties. My band had fallen apart. I didn't know what I was doing. Just you know, started just to you know discover the way whiskey made me not feel anything, and then uh, so that's kind of what happened. Yeah, around that time. I got you. And I guess I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the the Memphis music scene. It sounds like uh, I don't know if it's like this for every artist in the music uh, community as a whole, but it seems like a pretty tight knit group. Yeah, man. Fairly supportive of what each other is trying to do rather than cutting heads. Definitely, man. Memphis is is such a, a great place for that. You know, what I mean, it's it's competitive like anywhere else because we're all artists and you know and all that stuff, but. But there's so many great artists, and a lot of us have all been playing together in in some form or fashion, whether it's at a singer songwriter night mm-hmm. or in a band or whatever. Forever, and I think for the most part, everybody's super supportive of each other. Yeah, yeah. I got um. Oh gosh, Mike Bibbs. Did you ever get a chance to meet him? Yeah, I just played. I was playing drums on tour with the band. Uh, we just played with his band in Nashville. Modern Convenience. Yeah. Yeah, I had him on, and uh, that was one thing we talked about, because he's like, I never thought I'd move to Nashville. Yeah. Because it's like Memphis, Nashville's got that thing, and he's like, right. I got over here. And uh, I didn't think it would work, but it, it was perfect. Yeah. It was perfect for what I was trying to do at the time, because I had done the Memphis scene. And he said it was a chance to break out. So. Right. That was that was interesting to talk the music scene of like and you know what's so cool because you know I don't know Mike Bibbs really well but I, I I've known him for a long time and he's he's pretty good friends with um, the guy another band I play drums for and uh, and I know him from working at a record store down the street that's how we all knew each other and they were just um, I just knew him as like hey, that's Bibbs we're going to Bibbs house and they're gonna play video games and drink and eat and smoke weed and stuff and yeah. I knew he played in garage rock bands but we didn't know we didn't even weren't even thinking about it but it was just so funny to see Biz I hadn't seen him in a long time playing you know doing his thing in this little honky tonk bar straight up in Nashville standing on the fucking tables like you know <laughs> just making people nervous it was, and it was so nice but when he gets on stage man that guy is a monster it's pumped it's great I love it <laughs> I mean I just like left there feeling like just excited you know mm-hmm Glad and, uh, you brought him up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mike. A, we I, we went up to, uh, me and Ryan went up to Nashville to work the uh, Tomato Fest. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we spent one of the nights, we stayed up there with Mike. And uh, great hospitality. He's a good fellow. Yeah, man. Um, so just moving on and just kind of back, just talking about Memphis. Uh, uh, you started touring around with Star and Massey for a bit. Yeah, I just I jumped in the van with them. Uh, basically, they just... They had been on. They started touring. They bought like a little van, and and uh, they were just doing like, you know, Star and Mike started off suits the right way, super grassroots, and like they had been on, you know, a tour for a while or a week or something. They were coming back through Memphis and grab you, you up. Yeah, just grab me up. They said, "Hey man, like you know, I know you're not doing anything right now. Like, you want to come on tour with us?" And yeah. I'm like, yeah, man, let's do it. Because at that time, they were still all playing a little piece of the drums by themselves, right? Yeah, because they couldn't find a drummer yeah. that would stick, so they were doing the bass drum, like all that, you know? Yeah. yeah. So they had to change the game for them. Yeah, and it was cool, because, like, you know, I mean, you know, I don't think they really were aware of me as a drummer, because I'd been a drum, you know, a drummer for all these bands for, like, 10 years, and then I became the singer, so Josh only knew me. Yeah. They had only known me after the fact. It's a front I, man. Yeah, it's a front man when the band had already kind of went on to be stuff so they were surprised when I was like well I'm a drummer man you know Um, but yeah I toured with them for a long time and like just I mean not a super long time for probably about a year because pretty much when I jumped in the band I've been with them ever since whether I was in the band or not I was I've been with them yeah and uh uh so yeah I just jumped in the band it was it was uh I'd open up the shows for them and then and then it became like, hey man, you should get on stage and do a song with us. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. And then like we started like sitting around the guitar in the van, and then songs started happening. And we're yeah. like, hey man, you should play a show with us. Like we were actually playing the, the whole show with us. And then and they tried to get me to be the drummer for a long time, and I was real. I was like, ah, maybe man, I'll do it when I can. And they're like, come on man, just be your drummer, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I'd go on tour with them for a little while, and then I I, I wouldn't go on tour with them because you know I was still trying to like be somebody, you know. Yeah. I don't know what I was thinking, but 
and then eventually they now they're just stuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, when or have you been doing this the whole time, just recording at home mm -hmm. and uh, doing all that writing? When did that start? Was Man, that all right, pretty early on. From you know, I mean, when I was a kid, like. Uh, yeah, right off the bat, that. I was interested in like we wanted to write our own songs and started figuring it out like what we could do. And we had like one of those little tape recorders, you know, that flip up. Yeah. So I had that, and like we some I don't even remember. How, I don't know if my dad or somebody told me that taught me this trick where you know you have the tape recorder and you have a cassette tape and you put like masking t or um, scotch tape over one end. You can record over even if it's like a a, a tape that already has stuff on it, right? Mm -hmm. So I had just a big box of tapes that I had stolen from my dad and my brothers, and I had this little thing, and I'd like, me and my best friend would sit it down, to, you know, in front of it, hit record, and we'd sing harmony, and then like, then we'd stick it, you know, you had the old stereo with the glass thing, and so we'd take that tape and put it in here, and then take a new tape, put it in here, and then we'd push play, and then, you know, hit record and sing along, and that's how we'd learn how to overdub, you know? Yeah. And we'd have like these, you know, 12 track recordings on these little, all you can hear is just, <laughs> and I did that for a long time, and I'll show you, man. Like, and then my parents saved up and bought me this four track when I was about, I don't know, 15 years old. And, uh, oh, yeah. Let's go. Yeah. And, uh, and I learned how to record. Uh, we started making records on that pretty much right off the jump. So, I mean, I've been recording, doing home recordings and making albums and stuff since I was. Yeah, about 15 or so. Cool. You want to break and play a song, man? Yeah, man. Sorry I'm all over the place, man. My brain's just scattered. Oh, you're good. It's ready. Uh, let's see. All right. You ready? Yeah, man. All right, this is, uh, this is a song off my last record. It's called Tennessee Heartbreak. In the fun and most critics think they know probably could draw a picture of a muse and know, let alone write a song about the way they feel. Too many people with piles of money in the bank who care way too much with everybody thinks but find the time to judge the way us poor folks live. I've never been a religious man, but for what it's worth, I think you can believe in God without going to church. Let me ask you, would you bet your life on a gambling man? Sometimes I want to point my car to another state line Cause Tennessee broke's heart of mine Whoa, yes indeed Come and set me free Just walk into the dark Find out who we really are Tennessee Heartbreak Well, isn't it funny how everything turned out? I got a little bit old and got a little burned out And before I knew it, the years had passed me by Remember the way the grass fell between my toes Used to ride my bike into the streetlights glow Without a care in the world, without a care Man, I sure miss those days somewhere along the line Things got hard, things changed with time With the loss of friends, then I lost myself and now I sing these songs about who I am Where I'm from and where I've been But I've never been good at letting go We're coming set me free 
walk into the dark Let's find out who we really are To see our brain We'll come and set me free Come on, set me free Walk into the dark, yes, walk into a vein. Let's find out who we really are. Tennessee, our brain. Oh, sweet Tennessee, you're breaking my heart, babe. In the funny how everything turned out I got a little bit old and got a little worn down Now I'm just trying to find myself Yes sir, it's a good tune brother Thanks man I like dig the songwriting man it's not, a, it's not hard for me to imagine what was going on I mean, especially just sitting down here with you and talking and then hearing the song, I mean, it's pretty straight to the point. It's, it's pretty straight to the point. It's yeah. straightforward, man. Um, dig the transparency and the honesty, man. Thanks, man. That's about all I, I know how to do is just at least be honest. Yeah. So I, I was talking with you before we started. I want to talk about this for a little bit. It's like uh, whenever you write a song and... Uh, you take it to the studio and you go to record it and then you hear it produced and you're like, it's missed. You missed it. Yeah. And so uh, I wanted to kind of open that up and talk about that, like just from recording at home and like it is, it's kind of raw, it's uncut. It, it feels uh, it feels realer in some regards. And then you go to the studio to get that uh, production or the production on it and you get it back and you're like, I like it better the other yeah, I mean, that song right there is a perfect example. And just what you just heard right now, you're hearing a, a guy that's going through it, been through it, and it sounds that way. It ain't pretty, it ain't perfect. You know, my voice is a little bit out of tune, a little bit raspy, and and uh, but it's honest, and the words are true, you know? And, like, uh, I remember I recorded, I wrote that song, and I was, you know, and it really... It meant a lot, and it still means a lot. But I, 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 you know, I really felt like I had, I was able to, in some, able to get how I felt across in some words, which is, you know, something I struggle with because, you know, words really matter to me, you know, and I don't like wasting, uh, I don't like wasting words, you know, uh, you know, like I, it's like, anyways, that's no filler. Yeah, you know, it's like I'm always searching for the right words to mm -hmm. to describe how I feel about something and uh, I felt like I did that when I wrote that song at that time you know and I remember I went in the studio with these cats and they're all good friends of mine they're all hot rod hot shot players and stuff I went in the studio and saved up all this money and and I recorded this you know this big fancy studio for the first time and, and it had been the first thing I'd done as a solo artist and uh, and I was coming off this because everything I'd made with my last band had been with big record produced like in LA we were you know all this kind of stuff yeah. and it sounded like that you know what I mean and and we kind of didn't like any of it and we had a big we had a lot of flack from recording that and I remember I went in with those uh, and those would probably be better stories to explain what I'm t what you're asking me about having songs and, and, and the reason why I'm talking about this particular song because I, I was really invested in it because it was my first effort as a solo artist and I'd paid for everything on my own and and uh and I went in and and I'd been through all these things and I was really singing about something that I, that that meant a lot to me and uh, and I went to the studio and I had these guys with me and it was just like this very polished version of that song you know it sounded like it'd be on the radio you know it had and all this stuff and I remember people and some people really liked it and I and 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 a lot of people didn't they'd be like I'd just much rather hear you play that song like I just sang it to you or at a piano or something. Mm -hmm. And then I remember uh, I was living with my parents at the time and I was full blown going through it with alcohol and depression and stuff. And, you know, grown men living at home with my parents' house and super hungover. And I was crammed in this little bedroom 
pretty much with all the stuff that you see in this little apartment, which is a lot of shit, was crammed into a bedroom, you know, with some, and it, and it was like, here's my bed, and here's some instruments, and, yeah. and there's like a window unit, and, uh, and my dog, my mom's dog, Charlie, was uh, in the other room, and, and I remember I'd set up a mic just like this, and I'd just play, played like 10 songs that I'd been working on, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm just gonna just, on GarageBand, I'm just gonna just hit record, and just, my voice is feeling good today, strong, I'm feeling, just feeling it. And I sat down and recorded all these songs, just one take through. And uh, and that particular song, uh, I remember listening back to it, and I was like, ah, and you, but you can hear the, you can hear the air conditioner, you can hear my dog barking, you hear my parents in the yeah. talking about what's for dinner and all this kind of stuff. You hear the fan rolling around. Yeah. And that's the song that's on the record now, and people love it, you know. And uh, that cut. That cut. Yeah. So nice. like, if you like look up my album on like Spotify or whatever, Tennessee Heartbreak. It's on the album called Somewhere Between You and Me. Uh, if you listen real close, especially in headphones, you can hear all that stuff. And uh, that's the difference, man. Like, you know, between a polished record and a not a polished record, it's not great. It doesn't sound good. You know, if you're if you're a dude that records, you know, for a living, and you probably listen to this thing, and it, it, it sounds like this guy recorded at one take on one mic in a room on GarageBand. Because that's what happened. <laughs> but that's the one that connects. The other one never connected, you know? Yeah. And that was a, a fancy... You know, recording, but that wasn't with the producer. It was just, it was just necessarily. It was just in a fancy studio with a lot of fancy microphones and all that stuff. You know, I think, I think it's maybe good intentions. Like they know what the industry sound is, and they try to replicate. Just like you said, make it sound like radio ready. Yeah, I've had some nightmares with producers like that, though, man. I remember, like that band I was talking about. You know, it's like the early two thousands. We had, we were right on the brink of this like whole like kind of screamo punk rock like with a little bit of like hip-hop kind of vibe going on and it was right when bands like Linkin Park and The Used and all that stuff were breaking and uh-huh. we were doing that that same kind of a thing and I remember we went out to California and and they stuck us with these these producers and I'm I, me being like just a little knucklehead kid you couldn't tell me nothing I was cocky and I thought I, you know you couldn't tell me anything and they stick me in the room with this guy and he's just basically like we need you to rap more you know we need you to do this we need you to do that and I'm like you can't tell me nothing and like and then we get our recording back and it just sounds like sounds like somebody just took up me or us or our band or whoever and just ran us through like this little like tiny little hole this digital hole and it just came out thin and it's like with some jinkos and a bad hairdo and like you know <laughs> and a, a stupid pose in front of a railroad track that's how it came out you know yeah um it's like the thing about producers man i think it would like you know <clears throat> but then that same band late years later went on to um record with another guy and um a producer and some of the dudes in the band might they'll probably argue and say it was terrible but it wasn't he came in he like he recorded us and he actually brought some stuff to the table and brought good ideas and added things that we didn't know how to do you know mm-hmm. and like with chords and strings and things like that um but my experience with producers is it, for, overall has not been great it's basically like a producer comes in and like just takes you your songs and just puts his skin over it and presents that it's mm-hmm. like you know it's just his version of you you know that's uh <clears throat> that artist i was telling you about earlier and it happened it's happened two or three times um seeing them live you know first time hearing this album seeing it like uh on the tour as they stop by or whatever or uh however big the artist is maybe they're just doing a showcase at, in the hometown you know and then i get the record I go home and play it, and there's damn horns. And, you know, and I was like, call them. Like, what the fuck just happened? Man? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that, it's hard, what? man. It's like <laughs> kind of like some, you give somebody some power, and then it's like they feel like they got to, like, they just got to have an opinion on it. It's like, it's like, all right, well, this dude hired me to, like, you know, have an opinion, so I just got to, like, I, I feel like I just got to say something. I can't just, like, take it how it is, you know? Yeah. Um and it's always that way, dude. Always, and it's like, and most of the time, these fucking producers come in, and it, it's like, and you, I don't, I don't want to say too much, man, but like, yeah, uh, like, yeah, you know, you ask them, like, like, let me, like, hey, man, play me a song that you wrote. Yeah, let me hear you. It's kind of like the 
first line in the song yeah, know, dude. that you just played, you know, Tennessee Heartbreak. I remember, man, like, shit, I don't know. I, I, we rec- I was with the... I went and recorded this record with this hotshot producer guy, and uh, and I, he talked all this shit about how great he was, and talked, you know, and just came down on us, and blah blah. blah. And then he, you know, he's trying to tell me how to play the drums and tell them how to play this and do that, and like, and then he'd sit down behind the drums, and it, it's like the guy, you know, it's like he just learned how to play the drums, but he's sitting there trying to tell me how to play the drums, or he's like trying to tell, you know, so and so how to sing a song or play the guitar, and then you hear what he actually does. I don't know, man. I just don't respect it. I can't. I, I can't respect it. I just. I, I respect a man. It's like show me, man. Yeah. Stand on the fucking hill and show me what you got. Yeah. I like. Uh, but there is some good things to say. Like there's a. Uh, uh, like John Paul White with his studio up in like the Muscle Shows area. Same with uh, Isbel. He took in uh, St. Paul and the Broken Bones and let them do the album the way they wanted to do the album. Right. That's rare. But it does happen. Jack White with uh, Margot Price. Sure, yeah. Um, Nashville didn't want her. Wasn't, you know, wasn't conservative. Uh, didn't like the songs. Jack White took her in. Did it the way she needed to do it. Yeah, let, he it, heard what he heard when yeah. he saw her. And he basically, it's just like, let me capture. Who, yeah. It's like trying to take a picture of a beautiful woman. Like, it just, I just wanted to take a picture yeah. of the way you look sitting in that rocking chair. Not like, hey, babe, you can put on this dress yeah. and put your hair up this way. I want the picture of you just like that. Yeah. You know? And so I like it when that happens, but it's so rare. Yeah, man. But uh, I'm just asking, like, just for uh, any singer songwriter out there listening or a band coming up, and like, they're at this point. And uh, this, these are things to think about. Oh. It's true, man. I just think, like, I mean, that's where I'm at. Like, I, you know, this is the first chance that this will be the first time I've made a, a proper record as a solo artist. What I'm doing right now, and I'm at that point. And like, you know, I had the, I, I had an option to like, who do you want to record this record? Do you want it to be this guy or this guy, or this guy, or you know? And there's this guy named Jeff Powell, and he's he is that the guy we're talking about. I've recorded with him. Uh, multiple times over the years with other bands doing you know playing drums and stuff and just seeing how he works and he's such he's I love the way he works because he's he is that guy all he wants to do is just capture you know first of all it's like he you know he's probably not going to work with you unless he, he believes in you so he really is like wants to like to just capture what you what you're trying to to get across and like and the ideas that he that when I've worked when he when that he brought were great at it. He's, you know, and I respect him. And it's like, he's not trying to change anything. He's like really trying to just, just help you just, just bring it in, you know, and, and make it work and sound good. And th- so they're definitely out there. I, I didn't mean to come off like I'm just bashing producers, but I've had, I've had some, yeah. I've had the worst experience with all those motherfuckers. You know what I mean? And yeah. so when you do come across the guys that you're talking about, it, it's, it's great. Cause there's nothing, better than to have someone like that behind the who's running the ship and you can just sit there behind the glass and you can like just be yourself and play you don't have to worry about somebody trying to change who you are you know mm-hmm. yeah and uh so i don't think people should be scared of working on producers the produce you know sometimes people get a, the whole producer thing people bash it and you get a bad rap i think it's just finding you know finding the right guy yeah it's like falling in love man you has got to find the, the one girl that loves you for who you are man that's it Let's uh let's move on with your story, and so we're we're writing songs. We're we're back at home, and um, where did where did that transition start? Where where's the story go from here? Is um like from like like coming off a tour with like Star and Mice and all that stuff. Yeah. Um. Well, man, I was always like you know, and have been consistently was always trying to like to. I've always written songs. That's the only thing I've ever known how to do. The only thing I ever felt like I was good at, whether I was good at it or not. But I felt like it was something that made me happy, and um, it made me feel. It gave me power, you know, because like I always kind of felt misunderstood, and, and and I've always dealt with depression, and and you know, and the thing about it is, is what's weird about me and the, and the, those feelings is because I had a good life, man. I had two great parents, and. I had a great childhood with friends, and I, I did get to do all these things like play music at, at an early age, and but I always felt uh, sad and unhappy and didn't know why and misunderstood, and music gave me that, you know, because I was good at it, and, I, and it made me feel 
different in a, in a good way because I always felt different, but this made me feel like it was it was okay to be different, you know. And, and uh, I don't know, man. And and like I fell in love with music and and in a big way. And and somewhere along the lines, I'm sure you probably you know you talked to a lot of people or anyone really, but like uh, and like that song, I was just but somewhere along the way, I got I got attached to the wrong things about it. I started to lose direction of who I was and who I wanted to be and just being a kid growing up in life and, and growing up in front of people because like, you know, I started to become a, uh, our bands became popular pretty early and, and so we were, we were, we were going through all our, our awkward phases in, th in front of this town, you know, and it, so it's hard to, Go through all your phases and changes, and while you're while you're growing up in front of people, because people judge you, and when you're young, you know all that stuff hurts and it yeah, matters. And, uh, so along the way, I started to music started to not make me happy anymore. I started I was going through the motions, and I, like I said, I discovered alcohol and all those things, and I was dealing with all these feelings of depression and sadness with alcohol, and it was just getting worse and worse, and I started to become very disconnected from music, even though that's all I've done for the last 20 something years every day. I've been on stage or playing or performing and uh, recording and stuff since I was a kid, you know? And there was never a pause, I never stopped, I never took a break from it. But I took a break from it in my head, Upstairs, you know? So. I was just going through the motions and, yeah, that's where that's what that happened. But I, was, I had been writing songs the whole time, but the whole time I was just, I felt like I was just constantly being ignored or doors were shutting on in my face or people were always like you're good enough but you're not it was like like you're a lemon like you know you're you're good but you're not good enough you yeah. know keep trying i just never felt good enough and and did i kind of still struggling i mean it never stopped yeah <laughs> and then just kind of and you know start and like you know i kind of took a back seat to my music and my songs because you know, I made those like this, like my last record. You know, I had some some bigger record labels that were interested in me, and it was like kind of like that last breath because like all the bands that I've been in before had failed, and I thought I was over. And then I went solo, and and then all of a sudden I had this opportunity where some big labels were interested in me, and I and I started making demos for them, and the same thing they passed on me. And eventually I was like, well, fuck it, I'll split it out myself, and that's what my last record was. Yeah. It's just some fancy demos that were for some asshole that didn't that thought I wasn't good enough, which is bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then um uh and then I kinda just pretty much for the last <laughs> ten years have kinda taken a back seat to my myself, you know. I sorry Mercy <coughs> became much more popular and we started touring all we were on tour forever all the time and you know, and I was doing my music on the side and I'd come home and you know, I swore I'd never be that guy in the corner at a bar playing the three-hour sets mm -hmm. every night. And that's what I became and still am, you know. And it's like, it's a hard pill to swallow, you know, but you got to survive. And, like, I'm not I'm not bashing it because, you know, I'm a, I'm a working-class dude. And I, I respect the guy that gets out and plays, you yeah. know, and works. And, and I'm not scared to put myself out there. And so I've I've been... Uh, I know it's a long-winded version of it, but I, the whole time I've been writing songs and working at it, and you know, as much as I bitch about it and talk about how much it hurts me, and, but I'll always sit down at the piano and I always sit down at the guitar and I'm always singing, because that's my always been my way of uh, expression. Yeah, but um, <coughs> but not until really uh, the last year or so I actually, st you know, was like, man, you know, put your boots back on and just try again so I don't know if that answers your question but that's kind of what happened because I kind of thought like you know maybe if I got sober and all that stuff that would uh I'd have that story that a lot of these guys have that I would all of a sudden I'd just spill out this like amazing record but it didn't happen for me that way you know it's just it's 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 starting to seep out of me a little um, bit at a time yeah yeah cool man I was going to talk to you a little bit about your songwriting process does it start, or I guess it could be different with each song, does it start on the piano or guitar, or does it start with a, with a line? Or? It usually, man, it kind of depends, you know I mean? Like, the thing, like, 
you know, my everything's kind of like this little apartment. Like this is probably the most singing I've ever done in this apartment. I, I'm real, you know. I feel private. Yeah, so I don't like. I have this little music room. I don't use it. And my piano's at my parents' house. I don't go over there because it's hard for me. Because you know, it's like my dad's sitting there and my mom's dog and my mom's ashes and my mom's shoes on the floor. So it's hard for me to go over there. So all I do is cry. It's like that's another thing too, man. It's like it's my song writing. It's like. So, writing songs is hard for me, man. When I pick up a guitar and I start talking about how I really feel, all I do is cry. You know, I can't get past the, if I'm if I'm being honest about it. You know, um, so I don't sit down. I'm not one of those dudes, and I think it's great that people can do this. I don't just sit down and go, "All right, I'm gonna write a song today. Here's a, here's some chords and blah blah blah." It just starts from a feeling, man, and I'm always going through something like that. Um, but you know, in my phone, I got a whole. It's used and also. I have it comes from like titles. I get a lot of titles or a lot of like one liners and um things like that. But sorry man, I don't, I don't know if I'm answering your question the right no, way. No, you are. Yeah, you're doing it. It starts with a line. <laughs> yeah, it starts with the line or you know, or just but that's kinda where it comes from. Or or I'll like I'll be like, I wanna write a song about street lights, man, or or this or that or some chords and then I'll sit down at the piano and I yeah, I guess it just it's, it's I guess each song is different, man. To be honest with you, yeah. <laughs> that's the short. It's kind of a, it's kind of a hard question. It is a hard question because each one is different. You always need to take it like one by one. Yeah, because if I sit down at the piano and I start playing some chords, it, it'll it'll spark or make me think about a line or a, yeah. you know a title. So I've I've been uh, singing and playing for uh, fifteen years and uh, been writing songs for twelve. And each one is so different, right? You know, and uh, the reason why I like them, and uh, why why I think they suck, and why some people will never hear them, you know, it's it's always that it goes back to the honesty and transparency. And uh, when I was eighteen, man, I would write extremely uh, uh, eclectic and like cryptic, right, right, and uh, like secret meanings and. Uh, try to just be real clever. He's always a, he's a clever teenager. Look at the way he works. Right, right. It's like everybody's gonna know me for my wit. <laughs> and then like gotten older and going back and listening to that, I was like, you dumbass, you know. But it's, it was just part of it. Right, you gotta go through it, man. You know. Yeah. I definitely know that feeling. <laughs> well, man, uh, just to uh, start walking this thing out the door with uh, with a new album. Uh, when will that be available? And uh, what all streamers, what are some ways for people to find you and your music? Uh, well, I mean, you can find me pretty much just just search Jeremy Stanfield. And you can find me on all the all the social media stuff and uh, Spotify's and the iTunes and Facebooks and Instagrams. Um, as far as the record goes, hopefully, uh, I'm pretty sure the record will be out at the beginning of the year. Um right. I'm just like I'm in the process of writing it right now. I got you know a handful of songs that I think are I'm not too embarrassed about, and then um, and I'm just gonna start trying to just knock them out and just you know I want I really want to make a record that's you know like I said it's the last couple of years have been pretty hard on, for me, and uh, so a lot of this stuff is you know I'm always very honest with my with my music, but th- there's a lot of stuff that's gonna be hard to talk about and so I'm, I really want to I'm you know I'm really want to make a record that's that's true to 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 what I've been through and, and all that stuff so like I said hopefully it'll be out um it'll be out on Blue Barrel Records um hopefully at the beginning of the year great when you're playing out and playing around um do you experiment with some of the song ideas in that three hour set you're pounding every night man that's how I flush out most of my songs man it's like I, I've never been scared of trying, like, you know, a lot of people, you know, they'll be like, I'm not going to show you, show you what I got till it's done, you know, yeah. I, I get on stage every night, man, with like three chords and like two lines, and I'm, I'm most of the time making stuff up, and a lot of times, like, you just kind of seeing what sticks and what works, and I, cause I can tell pretty much right off the bat, like, if I say, a, if I'm like saying a line or something that like people notice, you know, and what works, because I think, man, that's the whole playing live thing in general with bands, like I was saying earlier how all I ever did was practice, practice. When you're in a practice place and you're in your little domain and y'all, you got it worked out, it's perfect every time. But getting on stage and, you know, the ghost of rock and roll is following you around and it never goes how it's planned. 
Um, mm-hmm. That's the best way to work it all out, always. Well, cool, man. Well, um, what are some great spots to just catch you at for those local around Memphis area, or maybe if you're getting out of Memphis a little bit to catch you? Uh, well, right now I'm not really doing much much touring, but in town, I, you know, I, I got like a little residency down here at this bar called Celtic Crossing in Midtown that I play every Thursday at seven, and uh, <coughs> and that's that's about it, man. And just here and there, everywhere in between. You know. I got you. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to sit down with me, man. Yeah, man. Thank you, buddy. You want to walk us out with another song? Yeah, let's see what we got here. All right, let's see. You ready? Invisible Man. change in my pocket but I'm still broken drive around this old town still dreams still hoping feel like I'm a stranger feel like I'm a ghost the invisible man will I sit at the bar and ask think staring at the bar staring back at me well I join your conversation but I don't speak that language anymore Bartender said, hey man, don't hang your head, your head down anymore, no use in crying, wipe all your troubles away and start trying. So I move along Well, growing up's been hard to do Making all these decisions with a heart to choose Facing myself in the mirror with so much to prove Growing up's hard Everyone has found a way And I'm still stuck somewhere in between The only thing that just won't leave Is my bad reputation Well, hey man Don't
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.